Thank you. All right. Galatians chapter 3. Go ahead and turn there. If you don't have a Bible, there are Bibles in the back. There may be some already here and around. Um, Galatians chapter 3. Go ahead and make your way there. I will give a few moments to do that. So, all right. I don't have any slides tonight for notes, but if you're taking notes, the main point is short. I think you all can do it. You can write this down. It's not going to be on the screen, but the main point is this. The gospel message not only saves us, but also grows us. The gospel message not only saves us, but also grows us. That's where we're going tonight. That's what we're going to uncover in God's word. Galatians 3, verses 1 through 14, it says this. You foolish Galatians, who has cast a spell on you before whose eyes Jesus Christ was publicly portrayed as crucified? I only want to learn this from you. Did you receive the spirit by the works of the law or by believing what you heard? Are you so foolish? After beginning by the spirit, are you now finishing by the flesh? Did you experience so much for nothing, if in fact it was for nothing? So then, does God give you the spirit and work miracles among you by your doing the works of the law? Or is it by believing what you heard? Just like Abraham, who believed God, and it was credited to him for righteousness. You know, then, that those who have faith, these are Abraham's sons. Now the scripture saw in advance that God would justify the Gentiles by faith and proclaimed the gospel ahead of time to Abraham, saying, All the nations will be blessed through you. Consequently, those who have faith are blessed with Abraham who had faith. For all who rely on the works of the law are under a curse, because it is written, everyone who does not do everything written in the book of the law is cursed. Now it is clear that no one is justified before God by the law because the righteous will live by faith. But the law is not based on faith. Instead, the one who does these things will live by them. Christ redeemed us from the curse of the law by becoming a curse for us because it is written, cursed is everyone who is hung on a tree. The purpose was that the blessing of Abraham would come to the Gentiles by Christ Jesus so that we could receive the promised spirit through faith. Let me pray for our time together. <clears throat> God, we love you. We thank you for your word. God, I pray that as we unpack what Paul has written, that we would not just uh, hear it, Lord, but that we would live by it. God, that we would live a life of faith, not just of works and by doing, but Lord, we would live a life by faith. God, help us in that. May your spirit empower us to that. And it's in your name we pray, amen. <clears throat> On the surface, this passage may be a tricky passage to like read it and like automatically find the substance to it. Like, yeah, this is an easy passage to digest. This is, there's a lot here. Paul went into some really, uh, not tricky stuff, but it's just, it's a weighty passage. Some things we can gather from just reading the passage is that Paul is passionate about what he's talking about. He told the Galatians they were what? Twice. He said, you guys are curse. He also said, you're, you're foolish. He's like, you, how foolish could you be? 
like, can we just gather from that, that Paul is speaking with passion and gusto? Like he is just thinking like, man, you guys aren't connecting the dots. You're not tracking with me. He's like, you guys are so foolish. Which for Paul to say that, he doesn't just say that flippantly. It's not just his everyday language. He calls everyone that he knows foolish. I mean, when he says this, this is serious stuff. And I want you guys to get this. He's seeing a major disconnect with the Galatians. And I wonder if we're gonna see the same disconnect in our own lives. Boys in the back, I want you to listen to this, all right? This is for you, all right? Paul is saying, I want you to gather this. This, there's a major disconnect based off how you live and what you know. It's this head and heart disconnect. And we all have it. We all have this disconnect of like, I know what I ought to do, but my heart's telling me different. And so I live differently. And I live different than I should. And I make decisions I wish I didn't make. And Paul's saying, are you guys seeing this? Why aren't you seeing this? Like this is, it's so simple. If you just were to open your eyes and open your heart to what I'm actually talking about. The thing that I want us to see and understand is why Paul is calling the Galatians foolish. What's the big deal that would cause such strong language to a people that Paul truly loves and cares for? So I wanna look at the passage. Now we're not gonna talk through every verse, but we are gonna talk through especially the first five verses. This is serious stuff and Paul makes it clear. Paul starts out this portion of scripture with the strong introduction of you foolish Galatians. Who has cast a spell on you? It has to be something magical and mystical to have caused you to think and act this sort of way. He's kind of saying like, the only thing, reason why you could think this way is because of an outside substance or an outside source. Like this is crazy stuff that you guys are thinking and acting on. The way that they're acting so positively to false teachers, they're, they're responding to false gospels. And it's not making any sense for those that are found in Jesus Christ. Because in verse one, he says, you foolish Galatians, who's cast a spell on you before whose eyes Jesus Christ was publicly portrayed as crucified. He's saying, you guys have seen Jesus crucified with your own eyes. And now you're believing a different gospel, which we've uncovered in week one, that a different gospel is no gospel at all. You can't add to the gospel message. You can't subtract from the gospel message, the gospel message stands on its own and it's good. But there was these false teachers teaching things that are adding to the gospel message. You can have faith, but also you need to follow the law perfectly. You need to obey the law to show yourself as righteous. And Paul is saying, you, you guys, you're not getting the point. It's not through obeying the law perfectly by faith. Verse two, so then Paul goes through some rhetorical questions and he says, did you receive the spirit by the works of the law or by believing what you heard? So he's saying, you guys have been sealed with the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit has been active in your life. Fruit is being produced in your life. Was that because you followed the law or was it because you believed what you heard? 
I mean, Paul's bringing them back to where they once, once were. You guys are sealed with the Holy Spirit and it's not because you upheld the law. I know a lot of good people here in Liberty. I know a lot of good people in general that do not know the Lord. Good people do not just go to heaven. Good people don't just go to heaven. And it's, it's hard reality to grapple with, but, but this guy's a good guy. It doesn't matter because the thing that truly matters is faith in Jesus, that you've responded to what you've heard. It's not through obeying the law perfectly. Someone can obey the law perfectly and still have a heart that's far from God. It's like you could follow all the rules of the house, right? You can make mom and dad happy by obeying the rules. But the reality is if you're doing that with a heart that's far from your parents, you could still follow the rules and have a, a sinful heart. You could still obey all the traffic laws and still have anger and bitterness towards the traffic laws, right? You can still obey the law without your heart. And God is not interested in your law keeping. He's interested and always has been interested in your heart and where your heart is at. And Paul is trying to help these Galatians see you guys are believing a different gospel. You think you can uphold the law and be, right, be seen as righteous before God, but it's not because you upheld the law, it's because you believed what you heard. You responded in faith. Paul's saying that you Galatians were once wrapped up in paganism. And just real briefly, this was a practice that followed polytheism, which is the, the study of like many gods. There's many gods. There's a God for every area of life. And so they believed this polytheism. They believed some stuff that was not the true gospel. They followed after many gods and the Galatians were saved from that. But now they're following these false teachers and Paul is wildly confused because they're following teachers that say, you must work, you must perform and do. And Paul says that that is not the gospel message. The gospel message that Paul portrayed to the Galatians was Christ crucified. Christ crucified. Now, why is that an important message? It's the very opposite of a works-based faith. Christ crucified. Not you, you weren't crucified, Christ crucified, which means it's not your works, it's Christ's work on the cross. That's the work that gives us the gospel message, Christ crucified. You're gonna hear that throughout all of Paul's letters that Paul always brings up Christ crucified. He brings up Christ's resurrection. He will bring up the work of Christ, not your works not what you should do, but what Christ has already done. It's not by your efforts or doings, it's by Jesus on the cross. So verse three, just kind of working ourselves down. Do you see Paul's frustration or the disconnect? He says, are you so foolish? He says that you were started by the spirit. Are you now going to act like you can finish the Christian life on your own, by yourself, on your own strength? It was God who saved you. It is God through the power of the spirit that he sustains you. And here's what I know about you and me is that we all, we were talking about favorite diseases. This is not my favorite disease, but this is something that we all have. We have spiritual Alzheimer's. We're so forgetful. We could have no record 
of past works that God has done on our behalf. We could have God move mountains on our behalf and a week later forget the things God has done on our behalf. We have spiritual Alzheimer's where we're just so forgetful of what God has done for us. Christ crucified. If we could have just one message that could really just help us out here is that Christ crucified, which means it's not your works, it's what Christ has already done. That's the message I want you to remember is that Christ crucified. We know in our heads that we can't do this on our own, but yet here we are trying to do it ourselves, trying to beat addiction on our own, thinking that we can conquer that without sharing with anyone. And we fool ourselves into thinking, well, I could stop if I wanted to. But then you look at yourself in the mirror every day and then you just despise the person you've become. So we, we try to do this on our own, but we were never meant to walk this Christian life on our own, but we forget that it's Christ crucified. It's not through our works, it's not through our doings, it's not through our strength. Paul says here in verse three, this term in the flesh, this means to fail to remember or believe the gospel and to try to complete through your own self-trusting efforts. And this is not good. If I could just help us understand one thing is that we shouldn't trust ourselves as much as we really do. We think we're stronger than we really are. We in our flesh forget the gospel message and we try to attain salvation and saving through means of our own efforts instead of standing in Christ's saving work on the cross, Christ crucified. There's a pastor that says it this way. He says, Christians think we are saved by the gospel, but then we grow by applying biblical principles to every area of life. But we are not just saved by the gospel. We grow by applying the gospel to every area of our life, which brings us back to our main point. The gospel message not only saves us, but it grows us. Verses four and five, Paul continues in making his point, but he moves into the present tense. He says, did you experience so much for nothing? If in fact it was for nothing, so then does God give you the spirit and work miracles among you by your doing the works of the law? Or is it by believing what you heard? Paul again hits on miracles be something that happens because they presently believe, not because they believed. Up until this point in the text, Paul's been using personal argument to help us see that salvation is through grace alone. And he's saying to look at your own stories. You guys even saw Christ crucified. And now in verse six, Paul brings us to a different form of an argument. He uses a scriptural argument for the same cause that the gospel is what saves us. And he does this by looking at someone in the Old Testament. He looks at Abraham. Abraham was seen as righteous because he believed and acted out of that belief. It wasn't the other way around. If you remember the story of Abraham, there's so many moments of faith that God tells Abraham to go to a land that I will show you. And then Abraham hears that and he acts out of that belief. 
God didn't show him, here's the land that I'm showing you. And then Abraham's, oh, okay, now I believe you. It's that Abraham acted in faith. He heard God and he acted in obedience to God. He did this with his firstborn son, Isaac. When God tells Isaac, I want you to sacrifice the son, the son that you love. And Abraham takes his son, Isaac, and he goes on this journey. And Isaac all the time is just confused. Dad, why are, we, why are we doing this? We have the wood, but we don't have the sacrifice. And Abraham's like, I know, son, God will provide. And he lays Isaac on the altar and he is ready to sacrifice him. And he raises his hand to strike his son. And an angel of the Lord says, wait. Now I know. Now I know that you fear the Lord. That Abraham heard and he believed and he acted in faith. Abraham is such a great example of faith, of hearing the word of the Lord and acting in obedience. Not because he saw the end result first, that's what we want. We want to see the whole staircase, seeing where it leads to, but God's just saying, I want you to take this step. I want you to take this next step. Okay, good. Now I want you to take this next step. Abraham was his use of example for walking a life of faith. And so I want to kind of jump down abruptly, sorry about that, to verses 13 and 14, because this is an incredible summary of what Paul is really trying to say. If I could just sum this all up, it'd be these last two verses here. Verse 13, Christ redeemed us from the curse of the law by becoming a curse for us because it is written, cursed is everyone who is hung on a tree. The purpose was that the blessing of Abraham would come to the Gentiles by Christ Jesus so that we could receive the promised spirit through faith. The blessing that was promised to Abraham his faith was credited to him and he received blessing from God. Now, that blessing to Abraham from God can be yours as well, but it's not through Abraham, it's through Christ. Abraham was a part of that story. Abraham is a part of the lineage that leads us to Jesus and it was Jesus because of his righteousness that we could be seen as righteous before God. Christ can redeem what is broken in your life and he can make you whole. It's not through following the rules. It's not through upholding the law flawlessly. It's faith in Jesus that saves you. He can address every need that you ever had. He's done it in my life where Jesus has fulfilled the broken areas of my life to make me whole. You don't need more rules to follow. You need a savior. So if I'm gonna bring us to like some points of application or assurances, I want us to walk away with two things. We must have a willingness to continually repent of self-trusting efforts and functional saviors. Functional saviors are simply things that stand in the place of Christ. Instead of believing that Christ is our hope and salvation, we look towards other things or something else that hope, that bring us like a small dose of hope and goodness. Something else that will make us feel secure and good and complete. 
we must repent of functional saviors. What are things that make you feel complete outside of Christ and when taken from you, you lash out, you get angry or become sad? Is it comfort? Now, I don't want anyone pushing me outside of my comfort zone. It's my bubble and my bubble only. And if I get pushed, I will recluse and get angry with whoever decides to jeopardize my comfort. Maybe for you, it's acceptance. I want to be accepted so bad. I just want to be included so bad that I will compromise any ounce of integrity and dignity I have just to be seen and approved by my peers. Maybe for you, it's control. I want to be in charge. I want to call the shots. I want to have it my way. Your parents could advise you or tell you to do something, and you may be indifferent about it entirely, but just because your parents said it, you are now completely against it. Maybe control is the thing that has a grip on you. And the good news is that we can also ask for the Spirit to illuminate, light up any functional saviors that we are clinging to that are not Jesus and Him crucified. We must have a willingness to repent of functional saviors or self-trusting efforts. And lastly, we need to fix our eyes on Jesus and his gospel, not on the law. We need to fix our eyes on Jesus and his gospel, not on the law. When we fix our eyes on Jesus, we grow in thankfulness. We allow our heart to soak in the realities of grace. When we fix our eyes on Jesus, the law, the do's and don'ts of life grow dim. And it's not about upholding the law with sinless perfection. It's about a saving faith that you acknowledge your sin and that that sin was paid for and dealt with by Jesus on the cross. He is worthy of your praise and your worship. And that is a good, good thing. Fix your eyes on Jesus and his gospel, not on the law. So this is a rich text for us to be sitting under tonight. But I, I don't know about you, but I know in my own walk with the Lord, and I've been following Jesus. I was baptized when I was seven, but I didn't actually start following Jesus actively until high school. But I know that I wish that I was farther along than I really am. I've been following Jesus actively since a teenager, and I just wish that I was further in my walk with the Lord. I wish things didn't happen in my life that would cause me to take my eyes off of Jesus. I wish that I was more patient. I wish that I was more gentle, more loving. I wish I had better self-control. And if I hang out in that space too long, I can find myself starting to grasp at things that are not Jesus to fulfill me and satisfy me. And those things will never satisfy me the way Jesus does. Jesus Christ crucified is the thing that I must continue to remember. Christ crucified. Jesus crucified is the thing that we must remember. He did the work. I can stand in him full and complete, counted as righteous based off of his perfect sacrifice. I think we, as in Christians, can make the Christian life more complicated than what it is. And Paul's clear here. Paul 
gives us no prerequisites are needed for you to have your sin pardoned. Redemption is a gift that comes from God and it's not done by your efforts. It's a gift that God dishes out. The gospel message that saves us, that redemption comes through the death and resurrection from Jesus. And if you hear that and you believe it, you respond to the gospel with a confession that your sin is separating you from a loving God and that those that call on the name of the Lord will be saved. There is no record of wrong that is kept. You can't be too bad or too far gone for Christ to save you. So students, I want you to hear this. Will you hear the gospel message, Christ crucified? Hang up your works, your resume that you're trying to build to be seen as righteous and just rest in the perfect sacrifice of Jesus, Christ crucified. And that Christ died, he rose, he ascended, and now he's reigning. Will you believe that message? Will you hear and respond and receive the love that was displayed for you? And if you've never responded to the gospel tonight, I would love for you to talk to your D group leader. I would love to talk to you. Erica would love to talk to you. If you've never responded to the gospel message that Christ crucified and he did that for you and you can have relationship with God. And when God looks at you, he will see the perfect sinlessness of Jesus on your behalf. You can hang up your works. You don't need them anymore. Christ crucified. Let me pray for us. God, we we thank you for your word. We thank you for the clarity that Paul presents to us, God, in your word. We pray that as we just go into our D groups, that you would allow conversations to take place, Lord, that would be life-giving, that real, authentic community would happen, Lord, in these circles. And God, we We ask, Lord, that you would just continue to call us back to yourselves, God, that we would hear you calling our name and that we would respond in in obedience. God, we ask this of you. We pray in the name of Jesus. Amen. Amen.